Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports, because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Megan Hussline, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Jamie Urich. Hey Megan, thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, of course. Um, Definitely a much lighter episode this week, so I'm excited to get into that. Um, Just going right into it. Ohio State had their spring game this past Saturday. It's always yeah. fun to watch. So what are your initial thoughts? So I was actually going to ask what your thoughts were about the new format. For those who aren't familiar, we saw a new, a new format this year where rather than splitting the offense into two separate squads and the defense into two separate squads to create the scarlet and gray teams, we just mm-hmm. had offense versus defense and the offense was able to score traditionally based on traditional scoring points. And then the defense could score um, if they had like, you know, had a a pick six, if they had takeaways, three and outs, I think sacks and forced punts also added to their score. So Mm -hmm. I thought this was a really great way to see a kind of better, more holistic overview of how the different units are doing Um, and sort of like, take a look at what each of the players have, how the players have developed over the last year, um, kind of some of the new guys coming in. Um, the offense won 34 to 26, but I just, I really liked this format. I was curious what your thoughts were. Yeah, I agree. I definitely liked this format a lot better than in the past. I just think it gave um, the backup you know, not just the quarterbacks, but all the backups, just a lot more reps, uh, specifically the quarterbacks, though. It was nice to see Kyle McCord and Devin Brown just switch off um, every series. I feel like they just got a lot more practice and we got to see a lot more of them. So that was definitely fun. And yeah, I like what you said about just seeing both sides of the ball more holistically. We got to see um, the defense out there just as one unit. So that was really 
good to see because we were all, you know, kind of wondering how the defense would look. So, yeah, I definitely agree. I liked I liked this format a lot. It was definitely interesting. I was kind of confused a little bit at first how the defense scored some points, but once I started watching more, I kind of got the hang of it. But, yeah, I, I like this format. I hope they continue to do so. I hope so, too. I think I definitely think some clarity for those of us, like, at home or on the sidelines around the defensive scoring is probably helpful as people adjust. But, again, like like you said, once once we kind of got the hang of it or watched a few plays or a few drives, it made a lot more sense how they were keeping track of that. Um, and, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It was getting to see Kyle McCord, Devin Brown kind of switch off. You know, C.J. Stroud, McCord, Devin Brown all through touchdowns. Um, we got to kind of see all of them shine, get those reps in. Um, that was really great. And then similarly, the defense, I think a lot of people – we're ready to see what the new defense uh, under Jim Knowles was going to be capable of. And this was a great preview. One of my kind of favorite surprises was Tommy Eichenberg leading the team with 10 tackles. Um, (laughs) That was not the linebacker that I thought was going to have like a great day. But I do think that if he wants to see um, playing time this season, it was really important for him to come out and really step up his game. And he obviously had a great Rose Bowl performance, but I feel like Buckeye fans kind of loved to hate on him last year. So it was nice to see him turn it around and have a have a great game. Yeah, I agree. He was definitely one of the more players that it was encouraging to see how well he performed. And someone that I was also looking out for in the broadcasters, one of them was Joshua Perry, was raving about two, was freshman safety Kai Stokes. He had a couple of pass breakups too. So he was just really fun to watch, I think. So all these young guys, I think, are definitely going to make a big impact this upcoming season. And we just got a glimpse of what could happen. And overall, I was very happy with it. So uh, I think Jim Knowles definitely made a difference so far on this defense. Uh, I know a couple of offensive players were interviewed, including Shroud, and they're all just raving about how the defense looked as well. So seems to be definitely an upgrade from last year. Um, I was happy with it. So for sure excited to see how they turn out in the fall. Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling like pretty cautiously optimistic about the defense after this game. I think it was, you know, I, I still want to like have my my healthy dose of caution, but right. <laughs> they looked they looked great. Um so yeah, I just I do think that Jim Knowles is bringing something really special to the squad just based on what we saw Saturday. Um and I also loved their beautiful Dwayne Haskins tributes. You know, they did several throughout the game. They kind of had the little video package that they put together. There was a moment of silence. Mm -hmm. I loved that CJ Stroud, both, so both CJ Stroud and Dwayne Haskins wore number seven for the Buckeyes. I loved that Stroud had Haskins name on the back of his Jersey. Yes. I just thought they did a really great job of honoring him without um, making the game feel like it felt appropriately somber without being like a sad event. Yeah. It was a really beautiful balance that they struck. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. That video was so well put together. Um, definitely sad, obviously, but it was just, it was, it, it was sad in a good way. Cause we just remembered all of his best moments at Ohio state. It had me smiling at the same time. It was very sad, but 
they definitely put a nice spin on it. Um, just to remember the great parts about him and what he did for Ohio State. So that was an amazing tribute. And I really liked how the whole team stayed out there during halftime for it. And um, Cam Babb, a great leader on this team, just uh, kind of had a prayer for them and just led them in a nice little moment for Haskins. So I think it was just all around um, just a really great tribute for Haskins. And But like you said, it didn't kind of just tear down the environment, like the upbeat environment of the game. Um, it was just done really well. So, yeah, I definitely enjoyed that. But all around, the spring game was just really great to watch, too. And there were a couple surprises um, from some players that we may not have expected. So, Jamie, who do you think were your biggest surprises? Um, I, You know, I was surprised actually by... So Mayan Williams broke triple digits. He had 101 yards on 15 attempts. And I was thrilled with that. Um, I think obviously like Smith and Jigba is a phenomenal uh, player. And so it was nice to just kind of see somebody else get a little bit of that time. Um, I believe Evan Pryor had the lone rushing touchdown. So like those were nice little, little things. But like I said, I think Tommy Eichenberg was really my big, surprise like that was the one where I was like you know what I wasn't expecting him to have a a bad performance you know he's coming off that Rose Bowl momentum but um there's a lot of competition at that linebacker slot this year so that Mm -hmm. I think he was the one that really surprised me the most yeah I'm gonna stick with the running backs I totally agree with you about Eichenberg but Evan Pryor was really impressive for me he had that one uh touchdown where I swear like the defense doesn't look good on them, but they missed a few tackles. And he ran, I think it's around 20 yards for a touchdown. And that was just really impressive and encouraging to see from him. So our running back room is just so, so stacked. It is just an embarrassment of riches, honestly, for our whole offense. So it was just really great to see um, some of the backups get some time. And they shined, of course. So... All around, just super fun game uh, practice, really, but super fun game. Over 60,000 fans showed up, so that was super fun as well. Um, so, yeah, just a glimpse of what we're going to see in the fall. So I would I would say overall very encouraging. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we open the season. We, we, we have that Notre Dame face-off pretty early, if I'm not mistaken. First um, game of the year, yeah. Yeah, September 3rd, I think. And so yes. it was it was really promising for me. I'm so excited for the actual season to start. But it's just like I felt good about opening the season at home um, with Notre Dame with what we saw on Saturday. I just I feel confident that we're going to be really ready to rock and roll. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but that was not the only big event to happen this past weekend. Uh, so we were recording this on Monday, um, and the Boston Marathon actually occurred today. So Jamie, how about you tell us, you know, kind of the big spots of the event and maybe some results? Yeah. So it is the, actually the 50th anniversary of women competing in the Boston Marathon and the women's event did not disappoint. There was like it was a neck and neck race for the last few miles. Um, so 
Kenya's Paris Jepchichir, who is the half marathon world record holder, she's the reigning Tokyo Olympics marathon challenge, won the race, but it was a really tight battle with Ababel Yasuna from Ethiopia. And then, mm-hmm. um, and when I, like, they were just on each other's tails, like, one would pull ahead and then they'd run a few feet. The next one would pull ahead and they'd run a few feet. And um, then Nell Rojas finished highest of the American women. She finished at 10th overall. And then over in the men's race, um, the winner was Evans Chebet from Kenya. It was not a super close race. He won with a very steady lead, but it was his first major marathon win and he failed to finish in 2018. So it was really exciting to kind of see him um, have his first first big victory and like a big congrats to him for that. Um, I just, I find the Boston Marathon or, and really like any marathon to be such an impressive feat. Um, I ran the LA Marathon, I don't know, probably like almost 10 years ago now. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, I and I am imagine. not a particularly skilled runner. So to watch people who can hold these like six, seven minute paces for that mm-hmm. distance is just mind boggling to me. Um, and so I just really, it really just, the marathons bring out the best in people. Like I love that all of the fans and the the cheering squads are like along the sidewalk on the race course and people are like, you know, like they're passing out water and orange slices and things to total strangers and just like cheering on the stamina and the mental, um, like grit that people have to have to get through that. And I just, I just love the energy that comes with that. So, um, congrats to everyone who finished the marathon at all today and big congrats to the people who placed or won. Um, cause it is just such a huge physical feat. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said. Personally, I can't ever see myself running 26.2 miles, but huge congrats to all these people who entered in the race and finished it because, like you said, that just takes physical, but honestly, probably a ton of mental toughness mainly to get through that. So definitely a great feat to accomplish for um everyone running and again like you said how is the 50th anniversary of women competing that they're always so much fun to watch too so definitely something worth celebrating um so yeah another year of the boston marathon in the books we love to see that um but we still have a ton more to talk about we got nba playoffs we got some baseball stories uh but we need to take a quick break so we'll be right back Welcome back. So the NBA playoffs officially are underway. And man, we had some amazing games right off the bat. Starting with the Nets and the Celtics yesterday. Jamie, I don't know if you caught this game or maybe just the highlights, but it was an amazing game all the way to the buzzer. I have been admittedly like, I kind of, pick up NBA stuff like as the playoffs start and then I will like catch a game if it's on at a bar kind of a thing um unless the Bulls are playing it's the one sport that I just don't 
do a great job at following. And then I catch the highlights and I'm always like, man, I like really wish that I had been watching that game because (laughs) it looks amazing. And the Celtics Nets game was one of those games where I like caught the highlight reel and I was like, man, I wish I'd watched the whole thing. That looked like a great time. I can't lie. I'm the exact same way. I really don't get too much into the NBA until the playoffs. I mean, I'm a Knicks fan, so like I'm just disappointed every year. But then once we get to the playoffs, um, they're not in it, obviously. But it's just, oh, it's so much fun. And the games are always just so electrifying, so close. And yeah, the Celtics-Nets games, it was a battle the entire game. Kyrie Irving is just unreal. Obviously, KD is too. They both had over 40 points. But Jason Tatum, I mean, he hit that buzzer beater at the end. He just went right past KD, went to the basket, and got the first game win under their belt for the Celtics. So that was just so fun to watch. They're both great teams, and I bet this series goes to seven games because they're both just so amazing. And that was really a great way to kick off um, the playoffs, but... They, they're they both two great teams who have a legitimate shot at the title, but you also cannot count out a Warriors team when you have a healthy Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. They looked pretty dominant, too, against the Nuggets. Um, they played on Saturday, but I think the, Warri- the Warriors definitely have a legitimate chance at winning it all this year. I feel like the Warriors are one of those teams, too, like when they are healthy and they're on – just pretty consistently for the last like five or five to seven years, like they've just been, you can never really quite count them out. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, when they're on, they're on. So yeah, I agree. I think that they always kind of have a chance of, of going all the way because they just have the talent there. So when everyone's in top form, it's pretty tough to, it's pretty tough to compete with. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think the same can be said for the Suns. Obviously, they've just been absolutely dominant all year. Um, but, I i mean, I kind of think it's a no-doubter they're going to make it past the first round against the Pelicans. But as long as Devin Booker and Chris Paul stay healthy, I think that i they might be my favorites to win the whole thing, I think. I think this could be their year. I don't think they're going to... Um, I, I think they're going to refuse to lose tears in a row when they have a legitimate shot at winning again. Um, yeah, I think they're my pick to win it all. How about you, Jamie? I, I agree. And I actually was going to say something about the Suns that, that really just strikes me is like their defense is like watching the nineties bulls, like, yeah. They just play defense like at the level where I think it was 98 when um Scotty Pippen was put on Indiana's Mark Jackson and mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference Finals and they like essentially like that shift, that switch was gave the Bulls an upper hand over the Pacers. And Chicago went on to win that title and I just feel like the Phoenix Suns defense is so solid all around. They It's very, very hard to do anything on offense when they're playing at that level. Um, so they just, 
I just think it's going to be really hard for some of these teams. I don't know that they've had to face a defense like that yet. Um, this season that's just so consistently at that caliber, like maybe a one-off game here or there that they've had those kind of defensive challenges. But I I think that that's going to really throw some of these offense heavy teams off their game in a way that gives Phoenix the upper hand. Yeah, I totally agree. And Hey, the old saying is true. Defense does win championships. And I feel like that is what might take the Suns all the way to the finals. Um, We'll have to see. The playoffs just started. I can't wait to see um, where it takes us, what upsets we might see. Um, but it's definitely an exciting time of year and can't wait to see how it plays out. But in another sport, baseball just starting out, definitely some big storylines this past week, starting off with the Dodgers pitcher Clayton Kershaw. He was perfect through seven innings and his manager decided to pull him um, due to his pitch count, it was only around 80 pitches, I believe. However, they didn't get a full screen training. Therefore, his arm isn't really, you know, obviously in midseason form. But then again, how many shots do you have to throw a perfect game? And he was so close. Do you agree with the decision to pull him, Jamie? Okay, so I would just like the record to reflect that I am not Clayton Kershaw's manager. Um, and I... Because I, I have a, a personal vendetta as a Cubs fan living in L.A. against Clayton Kershaw. Okay. It is not – he is a lovely human. Like, I, ca- I cannot – I can't knock his character. But, like, mm-hmm. as an athlete, he is a thorn in my side, and it grinds my gears. Fair. So I just need all of the people who know <laughs> – that Clayton Kershaw is my athletic nemesis, that I did not make the decision to pull him. Um, but I am very happy that he didn't go on to throw a perfect game because, oh boy, that would not make me happy. Um, but also part of the reason that I dislike the Dodgers as an entity so much is because I watched a Cubs pitcher throw a no-hitter at Dodger Stadium and get booed. And it it didn't sit right with me because I think that when someone is putting on that kind of athletic display – we should all be in awe and celebrating that. And so with that said, what Clayton Kershaw was doing is a tremendous athletic feat. And Mm -hmm. I understand the physical nature of not wanting him to like injure himself or to make sure that he's in top shape for the rest of the season, right? They have a long season ahead and it's just starting and they did have a shortened um, spring training. But the part of me that like, lives for those athleticism moments and thinks that that's like what sports are about is like, let him finish the game because if he does throw a perfect game, then like he, we're never going to know now. And he deserves to celebrate that with his team and and have that moment. So um, he's my athletic nemesis because he is so good at what he does. And I do think that um, he probably should have been allowed to finish the game. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, there's only been, 23 perfect games in MLB history and this could have been number 24 but we will never know unfortunately Um, but it's Clayton Kershaw so much to your dismay he will probably have another chance um, in his future but yeah definitely an interesting storyline that was very talked about but another one was the Giants one of the Giants coaches Alyssa Nakin she became the first female coach on the field during a game when Giants manager Gabe Kapler was ejected 
So she took over at first base. And that was just a huge moment for women in sports. And she was ready for it. Um, it was just it was just really awesome to see. Yeah. And, it, you know, she she's spoken at length about how much she just really wants women to she wants it to like not be a major news story that a woman's on the field or that a woman is coaching at the major league level. Um, and she's, I think she said at one point, like she, there are a few things that kind of make her insecure about her role as a coach. It's like, she's on the younger side. Um, she's certainly never coached at the major league level. Um, but she, the, the kind of tail end of the quote was like, it's never because I have a ponytail. Like she's not worried about coaching because she's a woman. She's worried about Mm -hmm. it for the other very normal things that you would be worried about starting off your career. Um, and so she's just done so much to really kind of pull up seats to the table for women in major league baseball. And she set so many firsts. This was a huge one, obviously having a woman on the field. She was so ready. She totally killed it. And Hopefully we see a lot more of that. Um, and I would expect that she'll continue to, to set first kind of like benchmarks as, as her career mm-hmm. continues. Um, and then hopefully there are many more women to follow as, as they go. Yeah, I totally agree. This is definitely a trailblazing moment. However, like she said, hopefully it's not, um, you know, making the news every time, uh, a female makes, you know, history like this. Hopefully, it just becomes the new normal. But her jersey was sent to Cooperstown to the MLB Hall of Fame as soon as the game was over. I heard so. At least we will have that memory to look back on. So definitely, congrats to her. That was a huge moment um, in baseball. But lastly, another perhaps the best story that happened this past week was a little girl, Chloe Grimes, is fighting cancer. And she loves Brett Phillips, who's a player for the Tampa Bay Rays. And, man, it was just so fun to watch her. She threw out the first pitch um, to him. And then also while she was being interviewed um, by, I believe it was on ESPN, um, he actually hit a home run while she was being interviewed. And she was just so excited. Uh, Her passion was obvious throughout the whole game and watching Brett Phillips get interviewed after the game, talking about her, he got choked up as well. So you could just tell how much that she meant to him. Um, But it was just, it was such a nice story. Yeah. And I believe um, his nonprofit, he like tweeted out her, the GoFundMe link and his nonprofit Mm -hmm. is helping her family to take care of their medical bills. And, um, I don't know. I just, this is one of those stories that is why we watch sports, right? Like it's, it's so much bigger than hits and strikes. And, um, and I think that was, you know, Brett Phillips is kind of notoriously a really great guy. And I think he, he was so moved by how much his playing has like inspired and given Chloe Grimes strength. And, but I think that that is, that is what we turn to sports for. It's, it's people who kind of fight against adversity. That's where we are all inspired by sports in our daily lives. So um, this was just one of those like really beautiful and heartwarming stories. And um, obviously sending best wishes to Chloe and her family as she continues her battle with cancer. Um, 
but yeah, this was a, a really lovely heartwarming moment. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a great moment to end the show on. But before we do wrap up the show, Jamie, shall we do our end of the show shout outs? Absolutely. So mine is Devin Powell. She is um, a, a runner. She actually is, is not like a professional runner, but she ran the Boston Marathon today with her father. Um, it was kind of a goal of hers to run it before she turned 30. But where she really first gained attention was nine years ago, she was an undergraduate student volunteer at the Boston Marathon in 2013. And when she heard the explosions, that was the year of the Boston Marathon bombing, she ran toward the explosions with an empty wheelchair to try to help evacuate people and save them. And there were a few people who um, she was able to like, they had either like lost a limb or been really severely injured and couldn't get away from the scene. And she was able to put them in the wheelchair and push them away and ultimately like save their lives. So this year she ran the marathon for the first time herself with her dad. They ran for a cause that was near and dear to, to their hearts. And I just think that um, to go from from being such a hero in a moment of of terror and, and horrible things and then to um, finish the marathon is is really worthy of mentioning. Yeah, I agree. That's an amazing story. Um, it just really helps you put some faith back into humanity when you see stories like this. Um, just as an undergrad student, how she's saving people, saving people's lives. And now come full circle, she can run the marathon herself with her father. Um, that's just, that's a really great story. And I didn't know that. So thank you for informing me. Um, but for my shout out, I just wanted to give a big shout out. Yes, she is affiliated with the Yankees. However, she's just amazing. Rachel Balkovic. She is the manager for the Yankees single A team, the Tampa Tarpoons. Um, and she is just a beast. She's the first woman to manage uh, an MLB affiliated team. They're already six and three on the season. And she's just amazing. I mean, she got hit in the face with a foul ball. I don't know if you saw the picture, but she was pretty beat up. She had a nice black eye, um, but she was back out there a few days later. Uh, with the team. So she's just amazing and definitely a huge trailblazer for women in the sport of baseball. That's an amazing story. Yeah, I love that one as well. Yeah, two great stories to wrap up the show. But that's all we have for today. So as a reminder, you can follow Jamie at Jamie Yurich me at Megan Hustline and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl and as always, go Bucks.